0: a podcast where you will hear unfiltered, raw, honest, and uniquely funny interviews with artists you love as they talk about the art they love to make. I'm your host, Ilana Levine. Introducing Bluehost Cloud
1: Tap the banner to go to monday.com and build your own amazing workflow or find an awesome template. No judgment.
0: little known fact about my guest today, as a Broadway stage manager, she was so aware of all the waste that happens once a show closes. Show curtains, props, set pieces, so much of this stuff became landfill, and she figured out how she could have a part in rectifying that. Welcome Jennifer Kahn, founder of Scenery Bags, to the podcast A-OK. Hey, everyone. My guest today is Jennifer Kahn. Jennifer is the founder of Scenery, a company that repurposes retired theatrical materials and turns them into beautiful bags, jewelry, and more. Jennifer was a professional stage manager for 17 years before starting Scenery, and some of the shows she was a stage manager for include The Death West Revival of Spring Awakening, In the Heights, The Hunchback of Notre Dame, Hold On To Me Darling, and productions at Williamstown Theater Festival, the Old Globe Theater, and many more fabulous theaters around the country. Over her last four years as a stage manager, she also ran a blog on give back and ethical style, and scenery was born as the love child of these two parts of her heart, ethical style Theater and giving back to make theater more accessible for others is all part of the mission statement of scenery and really a guiding force in her life. I am so thrilled and honored to have Jennifer on the podcast. Hello.
1: Hello. Thank you so, so much for having me. I'm truly like blown away, humbled and honored to be here. So thank you so much.
0: Well, I have, you know, I really thought for so long, Jennifer and I first met although I admired what she did um, by both Of us being on Instagram and kind of seeing what each other was up to, um, I had the honor and privilege of hosting what was called, I think, a Broadway makers panel at BroadwayCon a few years ago, where it was just an incredible assortment of people from podcast hosts to, to Jennifer, who have figured out ways to take their passion and love for Broadway and make it into a career beyond literally being in a Broadway theater. So I want to talk about your company. Um, when I say that, you know, jewelry bags and more, I mean some of the things that you made were like keychains, you know, meme girls keychains and Beetlejuice coffin rings and freestyle love supreme bookends and a dear Evan Hansen mini purse. Like these are just some of the things that people can go on the website and find. So can you just kind of take us through the, the origin story of idea to fruition in the way that scenery, um, what's its story?
1: Absolutely. So it, I, it really, when I say it's like the love child of everything I care about and and all of a sudden like my world made sense, uh, it truly is. And so I grew up, I was a dancer, then I did musical theater, then I transitioned into stage management and, uh, I would always watch them throw our shows away. You know, in the regional circuit, they tend to hold on to more because they can paint over something, or if it's a skydrop, they can repurpose it for another show and you know, doctor up the costume to make them something else to try to save money. But by and large, a lot of the entertainment industry is very wasteful. And I I love the theater industry. I think what we're doing and the stories we're telling are vital to the human experience and uh, where we're missing the boat is kind of what we're doing to the planet on on the flip side. And so that always kind of bothered me. I was the stage manager would collect like all of the disposable props at the end and make them into jewelry actually for our uh, cast and crew. Um, So I was already as a stage manager doing random stuff like that. Um, and so then fast forward to 2015, I was on a road trip with one of my girlfriends up the coast from New York to Maine in between shows. And I had never been to Maine. We decided to do a girls weekend, got into Maine, and there are all of these amazing local artisan shops and everything's upcycled and everything's handmade. And I was like, oh my gosh, I love it here. And there was a shop that upcycled old sails from sailboats and made them into bags. Um, and I bought one, and I I met one of the people who worked there, and we chatted for a while, and I was like, "This is brilliant, I love it." And at lunch that afternoon, my friend and I were talking. We're like, "Where's our idea? We can do this. Like this this theme is is, is universal. We, let's let's what can we what trash do we have access to?" And I immediately thought of drops, because a lot of times they're thrown away uh, in the Broadway world, unless it's being toured immediately or put in storage for future productions it's it's thrown away because storage is too expensive and so and it's a giant piece of fabric would be really easy to upcycle into bags and so that night I called my very dear friend Brian Wells who was the artistic director at Starlight Theater the San Diego Civil Opera for forever and I was his stage manager for eight years he wouldn't do a show without me so we became very dear friends he now rents sets and acquires like sets after they done they finished touring and then he rents them regionally so I called him that night and said do you have any trash that I can have I have this cool idea and he's like yeah I don't throw anything away everything is precious I went flew out to San Diego he gave me 600 pounds of drops from national tours that I then put in my parents storage unit in San Diego. And they thought it was never gonna go anywhere from there because I'm also a serial entrepreneur. And in between every show I ever stage managed, I would start a company. And my friends just knew that like, Jen has more than a month off, she's gonna start a company. and only two of which that ever came to fruition. One was my blog and the other was scenery bags, but it's just kind of the way my brain works. And uh, so my parents are like, great, here's another one. We're stuck with like 600 pounds of theater drops sitting in our storage unit. Uh, and then went back East to work at Williamstown Theater Festival and then do Spring Awakening. And during Spring Awakening, I was talking with people, Krista Rodriguez became a a big champion of of scenery bags and i credit her so much for her her encouragement like pushing pushing things over the finish line in the very beginning um but i found it though so, so through those two years i found a manufacturer we made a sample and then i got i went back to williamstown and had i had my baby and then went back to williamstown when he was like a few weeks old um would not recommend, and but but that was fine. And so, but it was, I finally had time at home as a stage manager. I was never ever home, we worked six days a week, we worked very long hours. I was home to sleep, and that was kind of it. And so, even though being a mom is like the hardest job I've ever, ever had, it afforded me time at home. And so, while I was usually like nursing or rocking my three month old, I launched Scenery Bags, and um. I, I started with just online uh, on Instagram and posted a couple of pictures on Instagram. The first lot of, of 25 bags sold out uh, in 24 hours, like just to friends. And it was, and it was so exciting because I had this idea that I'm like, well, this is everything I care about, but who knows if anybody else cares about this. Um, And, and when I first started, I thought that I was going to do the social component myself. I was like, and I was researching like renting buses and taking kids to see Broadway shows. And uh, my dear, very um, practical husband was like, "Why don't you find a nonprofit that already does this and give them money?" And I was like, "Oh, well, that's too easy. I can't possibly do that." So I, <laughs> I started researching, and um, Brandon had already worked with um, Tori Bailey from TDF at Columbia, and so I met with her about them being our uh, our. Um, nonprofit partner, and they said yes, and I was thrilled. I was so nervous before the meeting because what they do is really phenomenal. They go in, they do uh, classes with the kids to teach them about theater and do some drama classes and bring them to what is many times their first uh, live theatrical performance. Uh, So I'm a huge fan of TDF and so grateful to be working with them.
0: Well, that's something that, I mean, in terms of bearing the lead, that's another really major, beautiful component of your company, which is a percentage of sales and profits goes to various nonprofit organizations. But it sounds like the very first one was TDF and it made so much sense, right? To couple with an organization that is about introducing theater to kids who might necessarily not get to do it without without the is a TDF Theater Development Fund I think is is what Fund. it
1: stands for so that is how that partnership was born was born and it's and it's. It was so important to me, a because of my my background in working with like eco fashion and give back. That those were the two things that I wanted to champion as a blogger because those I thought were really important. So I knew if I were ever going to do this on my own, that I had to have some kind of give back component. I also know myself well enough to know that if I'm accountable to someone else, I will. It will happen. If it's just me, if it's only for me, it usually will not happen. Um, But, you know, as a stage manager, I'm accountable to the show and the producer and the director and everyone. So I will absolutely show up and I will absolutely get that job done. And so in starting Scenery Bags, I knew if I aligned my my project with something I really cared about, that would give me the accountability to really show up for it and make right. sure. it um, And so it was perfect. It was really a win-win. And that, like one of my favorite parts is the end of every month, like sending them their donation. Like we're doing it. It's all That's
0: incredible. That's incredible. What was the first, when you say the bag sold out, what was the very first item that you made uh, as the founder of scenery bags that, that you know, the
1: first 25 bags fold out immediately. Like, what was it? We did pouches, little zipper pouches. And the first two drops we cut were the Madison Square Garden drop of uh, Wizard of Oz. And um, this drop called Desert Song. It was from a show called Desert Song, which is an operetta that no one's ever heard of. But it was this, like, very vibrant, beautiful drop. To this day, it's one some of my favorite bags we've we've ever done because they were just so beautiful so that was kind of like okay these are that's like we have a cool title and we have a cool looking drop let's start there yeah and we did and it we we went viral very quickly um how does that happen when when you say we went viral tell me
0: like as you can recollect it now sort of what were the steps involved and what do you think was like that magic moment where it was discovered in the way that it was discovered
1: Absolutely. Um, it, the magic moment was people really loving this idea and caring about it. Um, I was just blown away by the support and feedback from the theater community at large and fans of the theater community. So once we got our first little run of bags, Krista Rodriguez was one of the first ones to get one because she was always like, as soon as you have bags, I, me, I want one. And so she posted about it on Instagram. And this was also back in the day where Instagram would let organic traffic happen in a way that it doesn't anymore, especially for small businesses, because they want you to pay for ads. So they kind of step on you until you do. Uh, So I also, it was the right time for this. And um, she posted about it. We got an influx of followers. I'm like, we went viral and not really knowing what that meant really, or understanding We got like a thousand new followers overnight and and a lot of attention. one of the people that, that found us through Krista was Rachel Bloom, who was in, in, and wrote Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. And she emailed me, like, cold emailed me and said, I have to have a bag. I love this idea. I immediately sent her a bag. And at the same time, built a website in an afternoon. Cause I was like, we should, if, if Rachel Bloom says anything, like we should be prepared for something. And yeah. so I like built our own little landing page of a website with a wait list. Cause at that point we were now out of bags. Right. And she did post, we got 4,000 new followers. Oh we God. um are, and then a wait list of 200 people. And at that point, our manufacturer in LA that I found uh, said they, there was no way they were going to be able to keep up with demand. Cause okay. they were a smaller nonprofit as well. And right even though it was like the worst news in the world when it happened, I was so grateful for her honesty in that right. moment. Um, and so now I had, you know, a, a a snowball that was rolling of attention and nowhere to make our bags. And so I went and found a new manufacturer, thankfully quickly, because it's actually not at all easy to find a manufacturer mm-hmm. who will A, work with what we have because- right. Where every manufacturer's worst nightmare because everything we do is different, even if it's the same shape and the same uh, like pieces and findings, the, the fabric's always different, the right. texture's always different, the color's always different. Like most manufacturers won't touch us, especially in America. And all of our bags are made in America. So I found a new fa- um, I found a new manufacturer. We were ma- remaking all of our samples to get our product line launched or relaunched. And then up where they picked us up. And Upworthy reached out via Facebook of all places and asked if they could do an interview feature. I took that interview, we launched in July of 2017. The interview was end of July of 2017 because they had seen Rachel Bloom's post and August 1st dropped their article. And I didn't realize that that it had gone live until I just saw like my phone completely exploding and um, got to my computer as fast as I could and and, and took the waitlist down and changed it to a pre-order. So that they could pre-order from our next line because they were actually in development again. Um, in the time that it took me to see that the article had gone live because we were getting re- shares and that kind of thing and to my computer to change it, we had 800 people on the waitlist. We sold 4,000 pre-orders in 24 hours. And by the end of the month, it was 5,000. And that was <laughs> when we went viral. So it was one of those moments of, and I always tell like the breath of August, because that was August 1st. And it was one of those, if you remember, I'm dating myself, but there was that commercial of the entrepreneurs are like, we made our first sale. And then the, the ticker just like goes, 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 and it, and it like, it goes from like, just being so excited to being terrified <laughs> a little bit at the same time. And then we finally found a new manufacturer. They were in Florida. That Hurricane Irene came, closed them down for two weeks. So through all of this, I sent out emails to all everyone who was on our pre-order list. I kept everyone uh, aware of what was happening and that we've slow. It took us till December. It took us till Christmas to fulfill all those orders. Out of those five thousand orders, I think maybe five people wanted a refund and didn't want to wait. Everyone else stuck with us. And, and then from January, 2018 on, we've been current. So it was a a crazy beginning, but I think if it had been anything else, I don't know, again, like if it were just for me, I don't, I probably would have been like, that was a fun little thing. And now I'll go back to stage management, but I turned into a full-time job. I, I haven't gone back to stage management since I've just been doing this. And it's, I accidentally started my, my dream job.
0: That is unbelievable, and and in terms of it sort of moving from your friend who you'd already worked with and sort of getting their original, you know, Desert Bloom and, and those show curtains, now, you know, the, the list of Broadway credits um, that you make jewelry bags etc from you know it it's now rivaling your stage management credits in terms of the number of broadway credits you have um in terms of stage management so how did it suddenly become all of these hot hot broadway shows and tours found out about this did you have to contact all of the you know the houses that make broadway shows
1: or or how did that happen in terms of the network getting so large and fancy. Yeah. It, I mean, I, I still have to pinch myself whenever we get anything new, especially from a, a current Broadway show or just closed. Um, I, It's. it was a little bit of a mix and match. It was all of the above. I would reach out to the GM houses and say, hey, I see your show's closing. We'd love to recycle any of it for you. Let us know. And, you know, and and it started with my friends. I would, because I worked in the industry for so long, I would reach out to the production managers that I knew, company managers I knew, GMs that I knew on each show, and they would direct me to whoever I needed to talk to. And thankfully, everybody has said yes. I mean, we're all like 99% of the people, the productions I've reached out to, if they had something to give, they were willing to do it because they'd rather it not. to waste and they're appreciative of what we're doing and they love the give back component because we're introducing a new generation to people who can come see their shows um so when i say that it's it like this this organization this company is my love letter to theater it's true and i'm just so grateful that they've really kind of embraced that and and loved this this experiment back In a really generous lovely way and and now they reach out to me a lot of them because i have i have probably a contact at every gm house now that i go to depending on who has what show and a lot of times they're like oh well we don't have something from this but this is closing soon and we'll have xyz and then we expanded to start upcycling billboards and banners so that stuff even if a show is closing and they're immediately touring with the entire set they'll usually have some kind of marketing waste that we can upcycle as well. So it's just been uh, people know about us. I I do my due diligence of who's working on stuff and and always ask. And a lot of times we're we're very, very lucky that that people wanted to give us their trash and we make it into stuff. It like how extraordinary.
0: Um I saw that one of the things you had is like a necklace that's connected to the show beautiful. Um, w- so now you're not just working with show curtains, you're working, as you said, there's banners and billboards, but also
1: what, like, what's that necklace made out of? Yeah, I'm actually wearing that. It's piece. so saw, pretty. a different necklace. Um, but so, so uh, a shop in South Carolina who makes national tour sets. Okay. National tour sets reached out to me, cold email and said, we have all of this stage deck that we're gonna throw out. And it's made out of, it's called a a brand name for it is EPG, but it's a very, very strong laminate. It doesn't decompose. It's terrible environment, but it's strong enough to tour with and have very heavy scenery come off and on. It is their their answer to that, solve that problem. And most tours and Broadway decks are made out of this incredibly strong laminate. And they're like, we love what you're doing. We would love to be more eco-friendly with our shop. Can you make like coasters or something out of this? And I immediately took a call with them and I was like, let's try. My answer is always, yes, this is super exciting. Like, can we try like jewelry maybe? And then uh, work towards a home line and see, but you know, bags and jewelry made a little bit more sense than immediately launching into a home line. And we just started doing research and development, figuring out that it works a lot like wood and we could run it through the CNC and make little tiny circles out of it and, put them on a chain and, and I learned how to make jewelry. (laughs) They're like, they're they're really pretty. Yeah. It's been so much fun. And I'm really, really proud of it because, you know, using something and upcycling into bags is a variation on a very large theme, which I am grateful for everyone upcycle, (laughs) please, please, please. Um, But making stuff out of stage floors, I'm like, nobody's doing that. And that's, it's so exciting. And, and the stage floors are, are so bad in a landfill. And I'm thrilled to be able to make them into new things. And then we did rolled out our bookends and we have some more bookends coming and some more and uh, some other things coming. And my earrings are are from our new jewelry line that I'm wearing right now. What Um, what show are your earrings from? These are from Jagged Little Pill, which we haven't announced yet. So this is
0: breaking news. Oh my God. It really is. I mean. I mean, what I would imagine is the possibilities are endless and you needing an infrastructure to support the endless possibilities. So day-to-day, how do
1: you do that? It is Right now, I feel a little bit underwater a lot of it underwater because we moved we moved everything here to houston i mean i was in new york when i started scenery bags uh as a stage manager my husband was also a stage manager and now producer and he's the general manager at the alley theater here in houston so that brought us to houston i work from uh, my home office here with my two little boys and i have a sew shop here and a Uh, shop they're their furniture shop that makes all of our cuts for our jewelry and and so the jewelry sometimes I'll make the jewelry but something simple sometimes we'll we'll hire an outside jeweler to make the jewelry if it's something more fancy but we I have such a long list of everything I want to make and nothing happens as fast as I want it to happen and I have two huge storage units full of textiles that we haven't worked through yet and so I have very big plans for the next you know five to 10 years of trying to figure out how we scale up and move through things. Because thankfully, the demand is there for it. People are, I mean, our customer base is fabulously loyal. They're so lovely. They really stick with us because they're waiting to see what we have next. And maybe it'll be their favorite show or a show that their their friend loves. Uh, We're incredibly, incredibly blessed with a community of really, really loyal supporters that are big champions of what we do and tell their friends and always come back. So we're trying to figure out more and more new things that we can roll out. So more home line things. And um, yes, as a stage manager, my husband and I always joke that as a stage manager, moving into like life in the real world, I'm very used to like sending out a report at six o'clock after rehearsal and saying like, by tomorrow, can we have a full stage that we can tap dance on and this, and this, and this, and this, and this. And And then you walk into the rehearsal space at 9 a.m. the next morning and you have a hundred new props and a table you can tap dance on and everything happens at the speed of light because it has to, because you have two weeks to rehearse the show and get it up. Um, and then you move into the real world and nothing is at all. And it's a little maddening in the beginning. And then you have to like kind of acclimate, but I'm learning, I'm learning patience. It's been a very good (laughs) journey. Well, there are a lot of magical like teams in a
0: theater production that are set and ready and waiting for that and it's you and you now have to create those teams and see what you need kind of boots on the ground to fulfill each dream that you dream up in your head of what you can make um it's it's sort of uh astonishing to me and I know you must have had the same experience you know you do your podcast and then you start getting you know contacted from people all over the world and you just realize Broadway is such a global passion. And so I imagine this idea that people who can't physically get into a Broadway theater, that the fact that whether you're living, you know, in Singapore or Alaska, that Mm. now you can have this Broadway experience on your body, in your home, in your hand. I know that I've given the velvet break a leg clutch that perfectly fits a playbill. That was an early, early um, fan favorite. Um, it, it's really the perfect opening night gift for someone in a show or anyone who just loves theater. I feel like there needs to be something named the Rachel Bloom. Like I feel like her impact. Mind. Yes, truly, yeah, truly. Or maybe something from the crazy ex-girlfriend set that can be made and, and you know, multiplied for people to enjoy because it is really incredible to think about like there's all the people boots on the ground and then it just takes a few people with a large audience and that kind of generosity to share like I love this I want you to know what this is and how to get it too. like that's sort
1: of a really beautiful give back also. It's a, it's an incredible give back. And we were very lucky in the beginning to have a, a lot of that. And it's really just about getting, when you start something that you're passionate about, getting it to the hands of people who are passionate about it as well. Because you could also send something off to someone who has a 50 million followers who don't care about theater and no one's yeah. going to buy- anything yeah 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 you know, it's so not like, it has to connect yeah getting it into the hands of really like truly the right people uh who who loves who have a theater following and love what we were doing and we were just so lucky that they were so generous with with their sharing of of what we were doing and and also to what you were saying about the ripple effect of of broadway it was one of the things i didn't anticipate as much when i started i knew that we were saving theatrical waste from a landfill i knew that we were giving back to uh accessibility for future generations of theater and those were like kind of the pillars that i hung on to of like this is what we're doing and this is good and for some reason didn't account for how much these products would actually affect people and mm-hmm. i get emails probably at least once a week from people saying, now I own a piece of my Broadway debut. Now I own something from the first show I ever saw with my mom or the last show I ever saw with my mom or my husband and I got engaged on this show and now we own a piece of it. I mean, the stories, I cry every time. I mean, it's the the ripple effect of how much Broadway has just impacted the lives of people all over the world because we do ship to Singapore. We do, we ship right. all over the world yeah. where people want a piece, a tangible piece of this finite experience they may have had, or even a, a experience of something they were weren't able to have. Um, it's been really, really amazing to watch how much it means meant to people.
0: Can you share a little bit before I let you go make the next magical memento from some beautiful theatrical performance? you know, words like upcycle, right? I mean, there's just words that we use now. They're just part of our vernacular. Um, but it it may be possible that not everyone, A, even knows exactly what that means who's listening today. And so I'd love for you to sort of define it in simple terms. But B, how are those of us who don't have huge show curtains in our home, but also want to be um, mindful of things like sustainability and not creating more landfill and upcycling things. Are there ways in which people can do this at home, not starting a company, but sort of think of different ways to deal with certain kinds of waste beyond composting
1: and recycling things they use in their kitchen? Absolutely. Absolutely. So upcycling for a brief definition is taking something and making it something new. So instead of recycling where you're giving it to someone to break it down, to make it usable plastic again, we're taking something and making making it new again in a way. So we take drops and make them into bags. We take stage floors and make them into jewelry. But in your home, such a huge percentage of landfill waste is clothing. And something that everybody can do really is Upcycle your own clothes. You know, if you've got a hole in something, patch it. And patchwork is cool even right now. And, you know, finding a tailor near you that can help you if you take stuff that you own. I, I hold on to things that I love, even if they're out of, out of style and in 20 to 25 years, they will be back in style. But if you don't want to hold on to something that long, you know, you can take like, okay, well, crop jeans are in, I'm going to go to the tailor and I'm going to crop these jeans and then I'm going to wear them again. Or I'm going to, you know, I'm going to take this blazer, blazer and make it a crop blazer because I never wear it anymore. And now I'm going to match the trends that are happening now. I'm going to feel current, but it's in something that I already owned that I'm most likely would have given away because I heard the most devastating statistic the other day that like 70% of what is in a thrift shop gets thrown away, even in thrift shops, because they need to bring in more inventory. And if it's right. not selling, they'll get rid of it on their ends. And hopefully they're getting rid of it responsibly and, you know, recycling things that are recyclable, but who knows? So being able to shop shop secondhand or upcycled in that sense is a huge way to help and to upcycle what you already have because there are ways of looking at your closet in a new and fun. Like be your own designer. You know, give yourself that label. It's really fun and go in and find a tailor who's willing to be creative and reinvent some of the things that you would have otherwise given away or thrown away.
0: That's awesome advice, really awesome advice. Um, is there? A little-known fact about you that you can share with my listeners.
1: There, well, I feel like all my facts are little-known because no, no one knows who I. Mean. <laughs> not anymore. Not after today. After today, um, my little-known fact is I. I was at one point in my career before I. I moved over to the old Globe. The uh, interim artistic. Intern, no, associate artistic director of the San Diego Civil Light Opera. So, I would, if I had stayed that path, I maybe would have gone into artistic directing and uh, felt like it wasn't the right time. I was in my 20s, I wasn't ready. Um, I was grateful for the opportunity and then started working at the Old Globe and La Jolla Playhouse more as a stage manager. Um, But when I went to college, it was for, I wanted to be a producer and wanted to run my own theater and uh, act, and I couldn't find an undergraduate program, but I found. Uh, BFA in stage management at USC that taught you a little bit of everything and accidentally fell in love with stage management and never really looked back. But I, I almost could have been an artistic director had I continued down that road.
0: It is absolutely incredible how every skill necessary to stage managing is exactly the skill that you need to be entrepreneurial. It's handling so many people and personality and and deadlines and using every part of your brain and creativity. And Jennifer, it is um, incredible to have kind of watched your journey from the beginning and to have had even a little moment with you early on. And I just think about like, and within all this, like, of course it happened while you're nursing your new baby and moving to a new state and sort of handling all the, the real life things that go on on any given day. But really, on behalf of not just you know the broadway community but the planet thank you for taking this idea that is just so meaningful to so many people and also making our world a better place to live you are such an incredible human being i admire you so much and i cannot thank you enough for being on the podcast and before i let you go for people who are not lucky enough to be in some brick and mortar store that has your um beautiful beautiful things to buy how do people find all of the things that you make online
1: the uh scenerybags.com scenerybags and, and on a, any social handle we're scenerybags come find us and thank you so much Alana, for having me this is really just such an honor oh I'm so thrilled thank you thank you
0: Little Known Fact. Now you can watch hours and hours of my interviews with your favorite artists as they talk about the art they love to make on YouTube. That's right. I have a YouTube channel. It's called Little Known Facts with Alana Levine. Catchy, right? Subscribe and enjoy. Little Known Fact. If you want to donate to the podcast, just go to littleknownfactspodcast.com forward slash donations. Thank you so much in advance for your generosity. Have a great day. The wind blow, bugs can make the grass grow So, there you go These are Little Known Facts that now You know This episode of Little Known Facts was edited by Nicholas Klar We record in New York City The Little Known Facts theme song was written and recorded and sung by Georgia Famusa, With backup vocals by Caleb Famusa. Thank you